0: Welcome to the FCC podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at fccetown.com.
1: Cause Just... Take the pro-
2: well here's the pieces of my heart what can you do with them i can't hold
0: So today we start into this brand new uh, sermon series called That's a Great Question. And from the beginning, this whole idea of uh, of this series has been risky. It's been a risky plan from the get-go. And part of why it's risky and, and, and been a little uncomfortable for me is that I, uh, I, I plan for sermons long in advance. I have a sermon calendar that I work on and try and work out what sermons we're going to preach a, a long way in advance. But as I've been kind of working through that this year, there's been this giant five week hole of nothingness that's been there. And and the reason is, is that we were gonna receive questions from people and then build a series based on the questions that came in. So we've been waiting, I've been waiting. And uh, just last week, did we kind of cut off the questions and begin to put together what that series uh, would would look like. And so uh, that was really uncomfortable, it was a little risky in the process, but another risk that was out there was I was a little concerned that um, there would be questions that would come in, questions that people would ask that would um, stump me, you know, that, that I wouldn't be able to have an answer for that, even after research and even after study, I just wouldn't have an answer for. And I say all of that to say this: There is the possibility that even as we go through this series, and we try to answer questions, and I try and answer questions. There is the possibility, remote as it may be, that you won't agree with my answer. Okay? That is a possibility, and that's okay. Because we had over 30 different kinds of questions that came in. Not every question was alike by any means. And yet, in in total, over these five weeks, we're actually going to be able to get to about um, 15 to 18 of the questions that were asked because so many of them were kind of interconnected uh, to other questions that came in, but after the deadline passed, okay, after we weren't really accepting any more questions through the forms that were out there, um, I had some other people. We could call them friends. You could call them yahoos. Okay, who decided to text me some of the questions that they were going to ask. Okay, but now that the deadline had passed, they knew that those questions wouldn't be counted, but they just wanted to kind of throw out there, hey, here's some other things that we could have gotten to. And so um, some of those questions were, um, Adam and Eve, belly buttons or no? Is Bigfoot real? What about Nessie? This was a good one. If they weren't supposed to build a tower into the sky, should we really be going into space farther and farther and farther that's actually a good question that we probably should have gotten to um if God can create anything can he create a stone that even he can't lift Uh Huh? yeah we're not going to answer any of those questions okay um and part of why we're not going to answer any of those questions is because they don't matter Part of why we're gonna answer those questions they came in after the deadline, but part of the reason we're not gonna answer them is because they don't matter, which is really where a lot of our questions fall. There's a lot of questions that we have. Um, You may have a list of things that you keep adding to that you say that you're going to ask God when you get to heaven, okay? The list of things that just don't make sense to you. That list is is great that you have it and you have all these questions, but they don't really matter. But there are some other questions. There's some big questions that we have that, that do matter to our faith. Now they may not be salvation or not kinds of questions, but they are questions that kind of fill out our faith, kind of add color to our faith, help us understand God, understand us, understand the world around us. And thankfully, a lot of those are the kinds of questions that came in from so many different people in the process. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna kind of dive into to those kinds of questions that I hope can encourage and fill out our faith along the way. Today, in particular, a a series of questions that that kind of fit together that we're gonna uh, seek to uh, tackle are questions like these. Um, How will we recognize our loved ones in heaven? Or will our family members look young in heaven and what will we look like and how will we recognize each other and will they be able to recognize me however it is that i get to heaven okay ultimately we had a a number of questions about heaven and specifically about our relationships in heaven so many questions that surround heaven because heaven's this kind of dream destination that we have right It's a place that we want to go, it's a place that all of us are are, are looking forward to and and dreaming of being, and yet we don't know a lot about it. We don't know what it's gonna look like, we don't know what it's gonna feel like, we've put some imagery to it in our minds, but quite honestly, most of the imagery that all of us have about heaven is not based on scripture as much as it's based on movies, okay? There are movies that have tried to depict heaven and we've kind of locked that away in our brain. I mean, even the classic uh, Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life, that, that had a, a picture of heaven right off the bat. Uh, the, the, the whole movie starts with this conversation that's happening, and that there are voices that are talking, and, and little stars in the sky light up with each voice, and, and you see that there's a conversation almost happening in space. And so somehow we think heaven is in space amongst the constellations. And it, it's, it's during this particular scene that we're introduced to the idea of. Angel second class, Clarence. And, and we find out later in the movie that Clarence um, is not only an, an angel second class who doesn't have his wings, he hasn't gotten his wings yet because the bell hasn't rung because that's where it gives him his wings, but we also find out that he was a human once upon a time and he was on earth once upon a time and he's now wearing the clothes that he died in. And so the idea that when, you're, when you die, you become an angel, kind of it built out, that that's not in scripture anywhere. Okay, just to clarify, creatures called angels and humans, not the same thing. Completely different creations of God. And it's very specific to tell us that in the Bible. So we're not gonna be standing in line waiting on our wings or waiting on our halos or waiting for a bell to ring. That wasn't even a question that came in. That's just like a bonus for you that I wanted to kind of answer today. There was a movie that I saw with my parents when I was a kid with Warren Beatty called Heaven Can Wait. Some of you remember that one heaven was depicted as this really white and blurry place that had clouds everywhere. There were clouds on the ground. You couldn't see anybody's feet when they were walking around, and there was this big, giant escalator that went up to, like, heaven proper or something. Because when you went to heaven, you you ended up in the lobby, and you were greeted by the people at the gate who all wore three-piece suits and had a clipboard where they were checking people's names off. And I'm not sure if that imagery of heaven existed before that movie and the movie just built on those stereotypes or if we started to kind of believe that that's what heaven was gonna be like after the movie came out. More recently, heaven was depicted as a baseball field that Kevin Costner built in his corn in Field of Dreams. He built this field so that he could see his father's hero, Shoeless Joe Jackson, his dad came back. see, that's all in our head. It's all the imagery that we come up with to try and paint a picture of this place we can't wait to be in. And yet everything we have is only based on our own imagination. Because in scripture, there's no talk about space or clouds. No mention of baseball. Except that, in the big inning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, moving on. So there's not a lot of those kind of depictions of heaven in scripture. In fact, what we do know about heaven, what is described for us of heaven is this wonderful city. Jesus talks about rooms and mansions. Isaiah talked about this vision that he had where there was the throne room of God and there were these indescribable creatures that were flying around and singing worship to God in booming voices that made it almost impossible to be in that same space and yet you didn't wanna leave. John, as he kind of describes his vision, he, he, he describes, the walkways, he describes the grounds, he describes the rivers and the splendor that he saw before his eyes, even before he ever even went into the New Jerusalem. And in terms of like a feeling or, or an experience or, or, or what we can kind of plan on, John described God's words of explaining this place that we would be in, and he said this, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The frustrations and the disappointments of this life all of those stressors that are always spinning in the back of our head, even when we are in our greatest moment in the moment that we've looked forward to and we're experiencing joy, when we're here on earth there is still the stress that is spinning in the back of our head. All of that is gone in a place that is beyond words. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, the message translation gives us this depiction of heaven. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. And our eternal destination, our home, is actually impossible to anticipate and impossible for us to predict. Even the most creative of us would not even be able to make an appropriate guess at what paradise will be like. And that's a pretty amazing way to consider what heaven will be. I I don't know if this is how you tend to live your life, but I've had enough experiences with disappointment that I now tend to undersell myself on things that are coming up. Whether it's um, a great story that somebody's getting ready to tell or a great movie that I'm gonna watch or a great book that I'm about to read, a great song that I'm about to hear. When it's been hyped up, I kind of intentionally undersell it to me so that I won't be disappointed because there's no way it's gonna live up to the hype that somebody has built up in my head. And yet when it comes to heaven, and it comes to all of the descriptions, few as they may be, about heaven, here's the thing that becomes clear. We can dream, and we can expect so much out of heaven, and we will still be absolutely blown away by what it is. It is beyond our ability to over anticipate our experience in heaven, our eternity in paradise. That's the promise that we get from from God about the place that he has prepared for us. And it's so incredible and so amazing and such a blessing that we have that to look forward to, that it's not something that we can just keep to ourselves. Because see, what the Bible teaches is that absolutely everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior will experience heaven. And so everyone who becomes a follower of Jesus is going to have this experience and this moment in paradise. And that should be enough for us to, to kind of be compelled to, to make sure that everybody that we know is a follower of Jesus, which leads us right to where all of our questions were kind of aiming to this morning. If I had to take all those questions that came in and capsulize them into one kind of short question, here's what that question would look like. Who will we know in heaven? And before we can really think about everybody else and all those people that we may or may not know and we're not really sure about in heaven we first have to consider who you will be in heaven, who I will be in heaven. We're already aware that we're not gonna stand in line to get our wings and our halos. That's not part of who we are, but we've gotta consider that it is your spiritual self. The part of you that is not this body not this body that has failed us on more than one occasion, that we are taking with us into heaven. It it is our spiritual self that's not held down by any of the concerns, or any of the worries, or any of the frustrations, or any of the structures of earth, or the structures of corporate America, or the structures of information through the media, or social media, or clicks, or classes or financial standings, feelings of financial independence or feeling of financial dependence, all of that is removed from who we are in heaven. And when you remove all of that from who you are, you change exponentially. And it's for those reasons that there will be no tears and there will be no sorrow and there will be no sadness and there will be no heartbreak and there'll be no heartache in heaven. And I say all of that about who we are going to be because really the answer to the question of who are we gonna recognize when we're in heaven is, is one that is maybe more exciting than you realize. Because if we are taking our spiritual selves into heaven and and this version of us is not part of it and all of the weight of this place is gone, it's not just long lost loved ones that are going to connect with us, but the answer is that we will actually recognize everyone in heaven. A quick run through scripture actually points towards this very clear idea. Uh, Some interesting moments that pop up way back in the Old Testament when David's infant son died in 2 Samuel. David declared this. He said, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David assumed that that he would be able to recognize his son in heaven, in paradise, even though his son died as an infant. There's a strange story that Jesus tells in, in Luke chapter 16 about Lazarus and the rich man. And there's really only three characters in the story. There's Lazarus and there's the rich man and there's Abraham. Now we don't have any way of picturing Abraham today and there certainly weren't pictures of Abraham back then. And yet when Jesus tells the story, everyone in the story recognizes one another without introduction. And then there's the really strange story that shows up in Matthew chapter 17 and it's strange to us because of how we perceive life But in Matthew chapter 17, there's this moment where Peter, James, and John go up with Jesus on top of a mountain. And on top of the mountain, Moses and Elijah show up. These are generations of people separated by oodles of time on earth. And yet from what we read in scripture, um, there's no point where Jesus kind of introduces Moses and Elijah to Peter, James, and John. There's no moment where um, Moses and Elijah introduced themselves. There's no moment that we're told in Scripture where everybody had on their little sticky name tag that said, hello, my name is Moses. So how did they recognize one another? You can go all through the Bible and find these very kind of side moments where it becomes very clear that the Bible repeatedly shows that we are recognizable to one another after death the version of us, the spiritual version of us will be recognizable to everyone and vice versa. It's what Paul talks about in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man here and now, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. There will be no strangers in heaven. Everyone will be able to recognize and know everyone else. Now, when we think about that, again, in our view of the world and our view from this side of eternity, we can begin to think about all of the heroes that we might get to see in heaven and that will recognize them, which then leads to our thoughts of like the, the biggest biblical fan convention ever. You know, that, that heaven is gonna have people that are just lined up around the building to get Moses' autograph, okay? Or you get your picture taken with, with David, you know, and, and his sling in his hand. I don't, I don't know what the case is, but we kind of start to think in those terms. And, and yet, it just won't seem that important. It just won't be that prestigious. Because we will be in an eternal mode of worship in ways that our hearts cannot possibly comprehend now but hearts that are so focused and so saturated with the privilege that it is to be in the presence of God. Yeah, you're gonna recognize people in heaven and they're gonna recognize you. But it, it's kinda like going to a concert, okay? This is, a very poor comparison, admittedly, but, but hang with me. If you go to a concert, there may be a time as you're walking through, your lo- through the lobby on your way to your seats that you may see some people that you didn't know were gonna be at the same concert. Maybe you stop for a conversation As you get to your seats, you sit down and you look at it. And and over in one section over, there's some folks you haven't had a chance to talk to in so, so long. And so you wave to them. You find out there's enough time before the show starts. You get up. You actually have a conversation with those people as well. When you sit back down just a few minutes before the show, you see some people that are sitting way up front. and, And you're wondering, how did they get those seats? And are there any near them? And so you wave to them, hoping that they'll wave back. And then the concert starts. It's the thing that you've been waiting for all week long, was to go to this show. To hear that music. And when it starts, it's not like you're continually going up and checking on those people that you saw in the crowd. It's not like you're waving at them and making sure that they're having as enjoyable a time as you're having. You're just focused in on the moment. And you are focused in on the music because in that moment, as long as it lasts, it's all that matters to you. When it comes to heaven, our focus, our priority will be on worshiping our God. Worshiping in his presence for eternity. And for some of us that doesn't sound all that exciting and all that joyful. Here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that heaven is an eternal choir practice. Okay, we're We're sitting down and there's some lady that's over on the piano banging out the harmony part that we can't seem to get and going over and over and over and over and and trying to make us get it. That is not what heaven is. That is not what I mean when it says that we're gonna worship for eternity. Everything about our existence in heaven will be worship in the presence of God. But there's still questions like, won't we miss what's going on here? W- won't we wonder how certain relationships are playing out or how certain scenarios that didn't get kind of wrapped up before we were done here, won't we be interested in that? The, the, the very simple question that the Bible does kind of spell out for us is that we are not going to miss the old life. And again, another poor comparison coming, but ha- have you ever... Have you ever had the experience of buying a ticket for for a flight and you buy a ticket in coach, like most of us normal human beings, and you buy a, a, a ticket in coach where there's a tiny little seat and you don't fit in it quite right and your elbows and your knees are gonna always be touching somebody and something in that seat, but it was cheaper, so that's what you went with. And then right before you get on the flight, you find out that coach has been overbooked and they wanna bump you to first class I've had that experience one time in my life, but here's my recollection of it. The moment that I stepped through that thin little curtain that separates coach from first class, and I got to sit down in my giant, roomy, cushy leather seat. And they brought me a glass of orange juice and a warm towel for my hands and my face. You know what I never thought about again? Coach. At no point during the flight did I wonder to myself, I wonder what it would be like if I were back in that tiny little row where my knees were touching the front and somehow my elbows were touching the guy behind me. There was never a point where I thought to myself, boy, I hope I'm not missing something important that's going on in the back of the plane. I never at any point regretted my upgrade to first class. Heaven is a massive upgrade from Earth. There will never be a moment where we regret it. And I find it hard to believe that there will be a moment where we think about coach. It's just enough to know this. The upgrade from earth to heaven is so much bigger than coach to first class. But one last kind of set of questions that came in that dealt in the same realm, but really painful question to ask. The question was something like this. How will we truly enjoy heaven if we know who's missing? How will we truly enjoy heaven if we know that there are loved ones who were not believers or are not believers and are not there? It starts with this. Without Jesus, none of us deserve heaven. And without our relationship with Jesus, none of us experience that paradise. And Paul spent most of the first two chapters of the book of Romans building the case for our rebellion, for, for the fact that we as people have this selfish, prideful desire to deny or, or, or to ignore God while we are on this earth. Just a sample of what he writes in those chapters, he says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's not what God wants. God has never wanted that. God didn't send Christ to the earth and God did not lead to a sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that just a select few people that he wanted to get into heaven could get into heaven. He did that so that everyone would be saved. Peter put God's quest, God's wants into beautiful language in in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's what God wants. He is patient. And he wants everyone to follow. But not everyone will. And some who won't are people that you know and people that you love. And on this side of heaven, on this side of the curtain We would argue for them. And we would beg for more time for them and beg for a sign for them or beg for more evidence for them so that they would change their minds. But even more than the understanding of what is just and what is fair that we have on this side of eternity, when the faulty thinking of the earth fades away, when we are no longer weighed down by disappointments and frustrations and those stressors that are always spinning in the back of our mind, we will begin to better know what we don't know. And in that moment, in eternity, in paradise, in heaven, we will understand and even agree with the justice of God in heaven, we will embrace God's holiness and we will embrace God's justice and we won't petition for more time and we won't petition for more signs because in that existence, when we are in that realm, that eternal, everlasting presence with God, God will be our source of joy and joy that we cannot even comprehend on this earth because no matter how great the moment is that has brought us joy here, there has always been the stuff of earth to weigh us down and that will be gone in heaven. And when that is our experience and we are overcome with that much untainted joy, Hell's small and distant shadow will not interfere with God's greatness or the joy that we find in him. And that's not selfish of us. And that's not forgetful of us. That is the priority and that is the focus that heaven will have. But here's what that means for the here and now on this side of paradise, on this side of the curtain, we should be so motivated by what we do know about heaven, what we do know about paradise, we should be so motivated to share the gospel, to share the story of Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus' sacrifice and his forgiveness and his grace and his eternal dwelling that he has prepared for us with every family member we have, with all the friends we can think of, with anybody that we know in this life that is currently living their life far from God. While we are here, we have a chance to answer the question. While we are here, we have a moment to make sure that people know what is being offered to them. And we cannot be concerned with what that may make them think about us. And we cannot be concerned with whether or not our words are going to be exactly right. We cannot be concerned on whether or not we're just going to get it all right as we talk to them. We've just got to talk to them. Because heaven is waiting. And the heaven that we read about in Scripture that John describes in Revelation, that Isaiah talks about in his visions It's not just stuff that was written down in the Bible, and it's not just stuff that that only the heroes get to experience. It is waiting for all of us, and it is waiting for people that we know who are currently living far from God, and they need to know that heaven is waiting for them too. So the questions that we ask, that we want to know for ourselves, the answers lead us to others who need to be made part of the story. Paradise is waiting. But it's a paradise that's waiting for them too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we we thank you. We thank you for an eternal dwelling that we can't even describe, that we can't even fully anticipate, that is beyond our wildest dreams And yet, God, the the lack of knowledge that we have about it sometimes makes us just forget about it, since we we can't draw the right pictures or paint the right portraits. We just decide that it's something that'll be down the road. May we not lose sight of your promise to us. May we not lose sight, not only of the forgiveness that you offer and the grace that you offer to, to kind of fill that void of guilt that we have in our life now, but may we recognize that what comes with this gift of being part of your family is an eternal time in your presence that we cannot, our hearts cannot possibly fully comprehend. And God, would you fill us up, not only with the joy that that is for our life, but would you fill us up with a desperate need and desire and motivation to share that with as many people as we possibly can to let them know that it's waiting for them too. God, we thank you that you include us in your family, that you make all of this possible, that you have prepared a place for us, all identified through the teaching and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask that you'd stand with me this morning. What has been made available and talked about in Scripture through some of these heroic figures that we get to read wasn't just meant for them. It was meant for you and was meant for anyone who would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as the, the Lord of your life, as the Savior of your life, as the one who has forgiven you, and we invite you today to say yes to Jesus, to be baptized in his name Maybe today is a day that you want to make a decision to be part of this family, part of this church, as we're seeking to lean into our God and lean into that relationship here on earth so that we can enjoy it together in eternity. We invite you to make that decision as well. Whatever decision is kind of rattling around in your head right now, we have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you, answer questions for you about those decisions. But we invite you to come as the rest of us who know that relationship with Jesus Christ continue to worship him, lift up our voices in praise and celebration to our God, to our King, to our Savior. We invite you to come as we worship together.
1: are open wide Forgiveness was bought
0: There is a treasure that we know because of jesus
3: series um who will we know in heaven uh Stuart, before he answered that question uh he told us what heaven will not be like and our home in heaven is actually impossible to uh anticipate and predict movies and our mind cannot even begin to comprehend and imagine what heaven will be like look like or even feel like he reminded us that we will not be angels in heaven We will purely be our spiritual self after removing all the layers of this physical earth. No worries, no tears, no fears, no heartache, no clicks or social media. So will we recognize our loved ones, friends, and family? Will they recognize us? Simply, we will recognize everyone in heaven. Everybody. In a constant state of worship. Totally immersed and drenched towards the privilege of being in the presence of God. Our priority won't be to find our loved ones but our entire focus will simply be to worship. Stewart also added that we won't miss our old life. Our upgrade from earth to heaven or coach to first class will be so drastic that we we will not be concerned at all with our life here on earth. Finally stated that God is patient and wanting everyone to follow, but not everyone will follow, and some of these people will be loved ones and people that we know. In 2 Peter it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When we get to heaven, we will understand and agree with God's justice. We will simply embrace God's holiness and judgment. God will be our source of joy. However, this should motivate us to share the gospel, his grace, forgiveness, and eternal paradise with all and anyone who is currently living far from God because heaven waits for us all. If you were moved today, were moved by today's sermon and would like to have one of our ministers contact you about furthering your relationship with God or uh, simply by uh, joining the church here at First Christian, you can text the word TALK to 270-765-4994. Again, that's 270-765-4994. Just text the word TALK. Finally, if you would... If you could make sure to like and share today's sermon, this could be a simple way for you to share the good news with someone that will get you to eventually worship with them in heaven. So that's it for today. Um, Have a great day. Enjoy this nice weather outside. The humidity's gone a little bit. Um, Hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you next week.
1: So sing out together. It's a